Hello and welcome back to the Gamble Pod. It's Wednesday, September 25th, which means we have another Thursday night showdown slate coming up tomorrow night. Philadelphia Eagles at the Green Bay Packers and a lot of interesting storylines to follow, including the Eagles who have been decimated by injury through three games. One of the most important injuries for the Eagles might actually not be on the offensive side of the ball when we're looking at this showdown slate. We'll get to that shortly. As always, I'm your host, Josh Crawford, a.k.a. A. Ivanovich, a.k.a. The Gambler, and you are back in the Gamble Pod, our high-variance, high-risk NFL gambling podcast. As usual, we're going to break down this Thursday night showdown slate. First, we'll go through a few storylines to look at. Then we're going to go through player by player, um, what I think of the different players. We'll talk about ownership percentages. We'll talk about where to get unique from this large, large field. Uh, $1.5 million showdown slate on DraftKings with a $300,000 first prize, as well as many other uh, smaller and larger tournaments. Um, So plenty of opportunities to get lots of lineups in there, whether you play at the $1 level, the $10 level, or the $300 level or above. Um, so let's jump into what we're looking at as far as storylines for this game, the one and two Eagles playing the, the surprisingly three and O Packers surprising. If you've been, uh, following the offensive production for the Packers, not surprising if you've been following their defensive play, um, Aaron Rodgers actually came out, uh, on Monday and said that the team needed to get their offense going. Um, and uh, I think I think he's targeting this weak Eagles secondary, as many of us DFS players will be as well, um, as a place for him and his receivers to get right. So we'll talk about that. Um, and at the end, as, as has become the tradition on the Wednesday podcast, we'll do some live lineup building um, uh, that's unscripted. So we'll just see how it plays out, and I'll take you through some of my thought processes there. All right. So Vegas has this game uh, favoring uh, Packers favored by four with a 46 and a half over under. It's actually a relatively low over under for two of the uh, best quarterbacks and and what what were thought going into the year two of the best offenses in the league. Um, I'm a little surprised at that. Maybe that is uh, due to the emergence of the Packers D as a force to be reckoned with. and maybe it's the Thursday night effect, bringing that down by a couple points. But I would have actually expected an over-under closer to 50, 51, 52. Um, but Vegas usually uh, has a bit of a, a feel for these things. So we're going to take that into account. Now, I mentioned at the top of the show that there is a very important Eagles injury that we are tracking. And that's Ronald Darby at corner for the Eagles. Um this Eagles secondary, as you know, if you've been playing DFS and if you've been following, um, has been torched again and again this year. Um, the Eagles in, have been have been hurt across the board by injury, especially with their wide receivers. But Darby uh, had has a a injury um, that he suffered in the last game that appears to be lingering and is probably going to keep him out of the game against the Packers here. This. Of course, now Darby wasn't playing particularly well as it was, but he was the bright spot in an otherwise abysmal Eagles secondary. Um, so the his loss really opens things up as far as Devontae Adams and the 
the Packers wide receivers go. Um, so I think right off the bat, we have to be looking at Devontae Adams, who's right at the top of the list salary-wise, as a potential uh, huge producer in this game. Now, one of the things that people are looking at is his low uh, fantasy production to this point. And the Packers offense as a whole has has struggled to get points on the board. Now, some of that has come from their defense actually doing a lot of the work for them, uh, both in in scoring um, and also in, in turning the ball over in short field situations, leading to uh, low yardage totals for the receivers, the running backs, and Aaron Rodgers. So... I'm not, I'm not, uh, even though Rodgers comes out and says the offense needs to get going and uh, the numbers don't look great for anyone right now. Devontae Adams threw three games in a PPR format. I don't think he scored more than 13 PPR points yet, which uh, compared to last year where he was regularly going off for 20 plus, um, it, it all seems like it's uh, a, a much lower than what you'd expect. Um, but if you're watching these games, I think that there is, has been a progression in this Packers offense, and it really did seem to um, start to click a little bit better um, through their third game with the Broncos. Um, one of the things that I'm really noticing is that Rodgers looks as good as ever in the pocket, evading pressure. Um, he wasn't sacked a single time against the Broncos. He's he steps up over and over in, in the pocket um, and just makes great throws downfield. Now, it hasn't translated so far into big numbers, but if the Eagles are able to um, put up points in this game, um, I think we could uh, – we, we, maybe we see that offensive explosion from the Packers that, that uh, was talked about going into the season with, with the new offensive mind in Matt LaFleur coming in. Um, and maybe, maybe this is the game where the Packers offense gets right home at Lambeau. Um, so we'll see there. Now, that being said, on the other side of the ball, Philadelphia has had some trouble as well. They've struggled with injuries, as we know, leading to this one and two record a, a one and two record that could very easily be a three and O record, except for a couple really tough drops. Um, uh, Dallas Goddard dropped a touchdown uh, last game against the Lions. Nelson Aguilar had uh, dropped several uh, balls against the Lions and against the Falcons, including what was likely the game winner against the Falcons. Uh, J.J. Ortega-Whiteside has has dropped a few big balls. Um, and they the Eagles have played without Deshaun Jackson and Alshon Jeffrey for most of the uh, the last two games, almost all of the last two games, and all of all of the week three game against the Lions, and it it's showed. Um, the offense has become a little bit more one dimensional. Uh, Ertz has taken a little bit of extra coverage, um, and uh, these these third and fourth uh, wide receivers have have struggled to perform at that high level. So Alshon Jeffrey's coming back this week. Um, he is going to be available for this Thursday night game, and that should help things a little bit. Um, and the question is, so one of the things we're, we're going to have to juggle is what's going to happen with these uh, wide receivers down the pecking order on the Eagles that actually were getting snaps and we're getting targets. Specifically, um, two that I'm looking at are Mac Hollins, who... Uh, 
was uh, played uh, 69 and 75 sta- snaps in week two and three, and then um, and and caught uh, quite a few balls. Um, and then J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, who also played, uh, he played 75 and 55 snaps in those two games as well. So we're going to have to try to figure that out. Um, and we're going to have to figure out what what the overall game plan for the Eagles is going to be, especially facing this Packers defense that has performed at a much higher level than in past years. Um, so this is one of the other major storylines of the year here for uh, the Packers is the emergence of this defense um, as a force to be reckoned with. Um they have held uh, three consecutive opponents to under 17 points. Um, the, it, impressive play by a lot of by a lot of young players, um, Preston Smith, Zadarius Smith, and Jair Alexander. Um, have ha, uh, Preston Smith and Zadarius Smith um, uh, rushing off the edge, getting lots of uh, quarterback pressure. I believe Preston Smith had three sacks against the Broncos. Um, Jair Alexander has had multiple interceptions, um, and they're just playing fast. They're playing aggressive, and they're get they're bringing pressure, and they're making life difficult on quarterbacks, um, not giving them enough time to pass the ball. So, with with the uh, struggles that the Eagles have had, um, their their offensive line has not been playing as well as past years. They've had all these drops. I'm wondering if Doug Peterson. Uh, brings a little bit of a different game plan to Lambeau, um, and this is this is uh, we'll talk about this more as we do some lineup building as we go through things here. But I'm curious as to whether Peterson decides to go with a more running back heavy approach, um, something something uh, maybe led by uh, the running back committee. Um, with Zach Ertz uh, uh, getting most of the targets here in and just attempting to brute force their way through uh, through this tough tough game in Lambeau, um, and and neutralizing the the pass rush that has been uh, really effective for the Packers through the first three games. So um, it's it's a storyline we can we can build some lineups around for sure. Because it does make sense, um, and Peterson's a smart, smart enough coach to switch things up um, for for this uh, situation. Uh, do track Zadarius Smith. He he is injured. He may actually be out this game, which um, would would be uh, uh, good for the Eagles as far as scoring um, overall scoring goes, probably. Um, and and ability to um, uh, pass um, or make longer passes. So um, track that injury. That is an important one. Um, but we will we'll we'll get to that a little bit more as well when we go through these players and their prices. Um, another storyline here that of course it wouldn't be a Thursday night slate if we didn't have five five running backs in play. So. On the Packers side of the ball, we have uh, um, Aaron Jones, obviously, who has been crowned the lead back by the fantasy community f- from since since the end of last season. However, it turns out that Jamal Williams is just a, as much of a factor here. Um, no, the fantasy community forgot to tell the coaches of the Packers that uh, Jamal Williams isn't supposed to be playing. Um, and and honestly, I think Jamal Williams is earning his way back onto the field. Um, if you look at it, he had um, uh, twenty six 
snaps in the week one game against uh, uh, the Bears. And then he had 35 snaps and 35 snaps the next two games at home against the Vikings and the Broncos in games in which the Packers were winning. Um, he also had, during those, that three-game stretch, he went from um, seven touches to 13 touches to 14 touches. So he has been getting more and more work in addition to the additional snaps. And he's been looking good. He's running fast. He's running violently. He's having fun out there. Uh, I don't know if you caught the interview where he uh, said he was a mermaid in the rain. Um, that was a fun one. He's just having fun and they're winning games um, and he doesn't have much pressure on him playing behind Aaron Jones. And if this game goes as Vegas thinks it might go, which is a little bit low scoring with the Packers in the lead, we might see more Jamal Williams than um, we would have expected before this season started. Um, on the other side of the ball, we have three running backs to deal with. Um, obviously, Miles Sanders, um, who has looked good at times, um, but has also looked pedestrian at times. Um, and then you have uh, Jordan Howard, um, who has has touched the ball. Uh, the Miles Sanders owners um, would say far too much, um, but he's he's touched the ball when you would expect. He's he touches the ball in short yarded situations and on the goal line. And as I pointed out in the off season, he's an excellent excellent pass blocker. So sometimes he is in there on those pa um, uh, clear passing downs, despite the fact that he's far more, less likely to. Um, get targets, although he has been running routes, e even lining up outside. Um, but he's he's less likely to get those those targets, but they like him in there protecting Carson Wentz. So um, Jordan Howard's on the field, and we'll talk about that when we get to him. Um, and th then, of course, we have Darren Sproles, who, um, you know, Darren Sproles has been all over the field through the first three games for the Eagles. The the uh, uh, fantasy production hasn't quite reflected that. Um, but he is a big part of this offense. Um, obviously, he's out there on third downs a lot. And again, I think this is where I wonder if uh, Peterson tries to neutralize this pass rush of the Packers by playing a little bit more Sproles than than in the past few games and, and just um, lining Sproles up with some nice little dump-offs um, in these in these pass rush, rush situations and third down situations. Um, so... We got to look at all three of these guys, um, and it, it'll be we, we have to try to figure out where the ownership percentages are going to be and who can actually produce in this game. Um, so let's get to the players and their prices, and we'll we'll talk through what we might be doing in this slate. Um, and I'm going to move through this quickly, and we'll get to our live lineup building. Um, one note before we jump in: a little bit of housekeeping here. Um, uh, follow uh, if you if you want to get in contact me best contact with me the best way is follow me on Instagram I, I post lots of content there I'll post lineups I post uh, links to the podcast um, questions uh, other things like that so uh, on Instagram it's a underscore Ivanovich underscore roars uh, follow me on Twitter I don't post much on Twitter but Ivanovich underscore roars is the way to follow there and please send me a message. Um, leave a review on iTunes or on Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcast. That helps me. Um, the feedback helps me and it helps the podcast uh, uh, gain a little traction. 
So I really appreciate if you do that. Also, I do apologize for um, the lack of episodes recently. Um, I had a pretty rough illness that I had to work through and um, I'm back on track, back in the groove here and we're having some fun with DFS. Um, I have some interesting stories from the last couple weeks, but we'll share those for some other days. Um, so let's get into this game, Eagles at Green Bay. And right at the top, as expected, of the salaries is Devontae Adams, who's going for 11000 in the flex, which puts him at 16500 in the captain spot. Pretty significant, but n- certainly not the highest we've seen all year. And that's probably the result of his low, um, low uh, fantasy production so far this year. Um, so... It, it, for me right now, I'll tell you right off the bat, as you know, I always look for a for a play that I can go all in on. And the one that is really drawing me is Devontae Adams as the uh, as my 100% play potentially. Um, now, as you know, I don't always do a 100% play, but when I can, I, I do want to go with it um, because it's it's the way to maximize your... Uh, your chances to have that big score when you're actually right on your 100% play. So um, the one that really springs to mind as a, as a potential 100% play is Devontae Adams. And it, I'm, I'm leaning that way. I don't think it'll be a true 100% because there's some some things that I want to do. Um, we'll talk about when we get to live lineup building. I, I think I might want to play a few other guys in the captain spot. Um, but I, I think I'm going to go pretty close to Devonte Adams, hundred percent, and I'm going to do most of it in the captain spot. Now I expect on a normal week or a, a player of his caliber, I would typically expect to be owned at about 75% plus, but I'm just wondering if with his lack of production recently and this whole narrative that the green Bay offense hasn't um, hasn't, uh, emerged yet and, and maybe is actually doomed from the start, which I don't believe in at all. Um, I think it actually has started to emerge. I think you started to see that last week against Denver. Um, but, but that isn't the narrative that that's very widespread right now. I wonder if that depresses his ownership percentage percentage down to something like 60% with, let's say like 15 to 18% in the captain spot. If that's the case, I mean, with Devontae Adams with Ronald Dar- Darby out um, and Aaron Rodgers pissed off that people are talking about how this offense isn't isn't um, how the offense is struggling. Um, I can see these two just lighting it up. So um, I, I'm guessing the ownership is going to be about 70 percent with about 18 percent in the captain spot which really makes me want to go about 100% Devontae Adams with about 80% in the captain spot. I'll be four times the field in the captain spot and be very happy with that. Um, This this could very well be a blow-up game for Devontae Adams. But if you want to take different routes, if you want to build a different story, I totally understand that. So let's let's keep moving along. I mean, I think I think it's very simple. Obviously, we know Devontae Adams is a great receiver is and and he's going to have blow-up games. The question you have to ask yourself, is this that game or is there a different player who blows up this game? Um, don't be fooled by the the Marquez Valdez-Scantling um, points. Um, yes, the, he's he's played great and he's going to he's gonna have these games um, all the time when Aaron Rodgers is the quarterback and Devontae Adams is the number one. 
um, he's going to spring loose on, in massive plays. And if you if you watched that last game against Denver, um, the big play was uh, Rogers drew um, drew Denver offsides, got the free play. Um, MVS is streaking downfield wide open and Rogers just heaves it to him as he does for an easy 40 yard touchdown. Um, so th- those are going to happen. Um, but don't, don't think that MVS is the one on this team. He's, he's not. Uh, um, so that takes us to Rogers. And as usual, the question with, a, uh, a quarterback, um, is should he be played as a captain? Should he be played at all? Um, as we as we know in these showdown slates, um, it's the receivers. When when a quarterback uh, takes a team sixty yards down the field and then they kick a field goal, the quarterback racks up two point two points or whatever. Um, the receivers may rack up if you have four catches for fifteen yards apiece during during that drive. The receivers rack up ten points uh, to Rogers two point two. So the only way. You want to you want to play quarterbacks who are going to uh, throw touchdowns, hit their 300 yard bonus, and spread the ball around. Um, and you only want to play quarterbacks uh, in the captain spot when they're going to do all of those things, and they aren't going to create a a uh, a really high scoring number one wide receiver. So it's it's always a difficult balancing act. Now. Um, you might be thinking as I'm talking through Rodgers right now, why why are we talking about Aaron Rodgers, whether we should play him at all or in the captain spot when to this point he hasn't scored higher than 15.36 fantasy points in a game? Well, the first game was against Chicago in Chicago. The second game was was uh, the game against Minnesota. Um, um, again, another good defense. And then 13.3 points against Denver where, as we mentioned – um, Rogers didn't need to do much, um, other than, uh, just not mess up what the defense had handed to, to him already in these short field situations. So, um, I look at this as a totally different game where Philadelphia has a tough, strong, um, front seven, a strong run defense and a, a secondary that has been his, historically bad for, for the last year and a half. Um, and I look at this as a place where he goes, he goes 20 plus fantasy points easily in this game. Um, so I'm not, I'm not worried about those low scores to start the year here. Um, so anyways, the, the question is, is Rogers going to spread it? So that being said, let's say I'm, I'm looking at Rogers for a 20 to 30 point fantasy point game. Is he going to spread the ball around enough? And is this game going to wind up being a game where, 25 points is the top score. So is he going to create a 20-point Devontae Adams and a 17-point uh, MVS and a 12-point Jimmy Graham and um, sprinkle in uh, some, some maybe a, a receiving touchdown by one of, one of his running backs um, who, who both have been catching the ball. So he spreads four touchdowns around uh, amongst four players, or is it going to be the sort of game where he just, he just keys in on Devontae Adams or a good matchup for MVS or something like that? And yes, he, he goes off for 25 points, but he creates a 32-point Devontae Adams. So you have to have Adams in the captain spot. I lean more towards that second scenario. Um, I just I think that Rodgers is the sort of quarterback uh, 
yes, he can spread it around. Absolutely. And and we're going to talk about that as we get to the bottom of this slate where we have some, some really cheap tight ends in play um, that we're going to have to think about. But I think it's more likely that he creates a, a – uh, a real, especially with this defense behind him now, that he creates a wide receiver that scores more points than him in this game. So while I look at Rodgers as probably one of the top six scorers, in fact, I'm, I'm, he, I think Rodgers is going to be in close to 100% of my lineups. Um, I don't look at this as like a, a Green Bay running back game. I look at it as a Rodgers passing game. Um, I don't think I'm going to have him much in the captain spot. I, I don't think I'm going to have him at all in the captain spot um, because I just think he's going to create a wide receiver that, that scores more than him. Um, so what? just to estimate some percentages, I think Rodgers is going to be played at about 60% plus, um, maybe slightly more. I, I would say definitely more based on the, the Eagles secondary, except that he's scored so low through his first three games. So I think that narrative that he's not going to produce is out there enough to keep his ownership down. Um, so that brings us to Carson Wentz at an even 10,000 in the flex 15,000 in the captain spot. Now Wentz has put up some good numbers so far and the Eagles have been in, a bunch of a bunch of games that have required a lot of passing yards and and keeping up um they were down early to the redskins and they had to fight their way back to a win there um they went back and forth with the falcons um and they went back and forth with the lions as well um so in all three games uh wentz has had to play catch up and i think that's going to be the case here as well the problem is they're going into lambo difficult place to play um, he doesn't have all of his weapons around him. Missing Deshaun Jackson is big. Um, I, getting Alshon back is going to help. But um, for me, I'm looking at this as a potential place for Wentz to stumble. And, and maybe it's not even, like I said, maybe it's not even that he stumbles. Maybe it's more that Peterson, uh, Doug Peterson calls up a different game plan and says we're just not going to try to um, go go punch for punch with Aaron Rodgers. Let's play a different game. Let's try to slow this game down. Let's put it in the hands of the running backs and um, and take our strikes where we where we can. So um, you know, Wentz could be. There's nothing wrong with building Carson Wentz lineups. I just think that if he's also going to be owned at let's say 45 to 60 percent, maybe even more than 60 percent, um, and maybe I'm giving maybe I'm maybe I have this backwards. Maybe Wentz is the higher owned quarterback. Um, but if he's going to be owned at, at 50, 60%, um, I want to play a different game script here. Um, so I'm going to be avoiding it again, as always build your own storylines here, build around the storylines that you like. This is just what I'm thinking. Um, and you should get unique in your own ways. Um, and the quarterbacks ultimately are not the most, um, interesting things to focus on. There's, there's lots more going on down the, um, down the slate here, down the, down the salaries that we can look at. So, um, let's get to Wentz's top pass catcher or who I'm predicting will be his top pass catcher in this game. And that's Zach Ertz, 9,200. Um, it's a, it's a hefty price, but the prices on this slate are not out of control. You can do a lot of maneuvering. Um, let's say you use like, uh, 
any of these middle wide receivers from Ertz at 9,200 down to like um, MVS at 7,600, or let's say you go with Miles Sanders in the in the captain spot. Um, he's at it would be 9,300 in the captain spot, 6,200. Um, these are cheap prices. I mean, our our top our top uh, running back is at 9,000, um, and our top wide receiver or pass catcher other than Devontae Adams is at 9,200. So this gives you some flexibility to build around here. The problem is, and this is something to focus on as you build, is when you're when you're selecting a lot of these mid-salary players, and um, what you're going to wind up running into is you're you're just going to have difficulty being unique. So when you, when you start, um, you say, I want to save a little bit of money. I'm going to go Nelson Aguilar in the captain spot. And then I'm going to take a bunch of these mid-range guys, MVS and Miles Sanders and Aaron Jones. You wind up backing yourself into a corner where every you're going to have the same lineup as everybody else. So we'll talk about ways to get unique as we go down. But it's it's one thing to keep an eye on when you have this flexibility with the salaries. You don't have somebody who a couple players who are pushing uh, a real high salary up, and then and then these lower salaries. Um, uh, then you have all these other salaries that are much lower. Um, the nice thing about it, though, is you get all of these guys with these middle-range salaries at a lower ownership percentage than um, than what their value could be. Um, I would say, running down this list here, we have Ertz at 9,200, Aaron Jones at 9,000, Alshon Jeffrey at 8,200, Aguilar at 7,800, MVS at 7,600, and then you got Miles, Miles Sanders, Jamal Williams at 6,200 and 5,000. Running down that list right there, I don't expect any of these guys to be owned ex- at an extremely high rate. Um, the one I actually do expect to be owned pretty uh, uh, higher than, than I like is going to be Nelson Aguilar. Just because if you look at it, um, if, you, if you're just coming to DraftKings, you haven't been paying much attention to these games, and you're getting ready to get your gamble on, you're going to look and you're going to see, oh, Nelson Aguilar, um, five targets and 11 targets and 12 targets. Oh, yeah, I guess that makes sense. Djax has been out, um, but Djax is still out. I'm going to ride Nelson Aguilar. I don't think it's going that way. With Alshon Jeffrey coming back and that game plan not exactly working, I mean, Nelson Aguilar was is not the guy to carry the Eagles back into a winning record this year um so i don't think that i think they want to put him back in the role that works well for him which is more of a five target type role per game if they're going to lean on anyone i think they're going to lean on Ertz um to to do the heavy lifting here um so i'm going to probably be pretty heavy on zach Ertz. in fact as far as eagles go because I'm really predicting a great game script that's um, – I think I think Green Bay wins this game. I think they win it outright, and I think they win it by about 14 points. That feels a little bit uh, – feels a little bit off because the Eagles are so resilient, and Wentz is a fighter, and, and they just – they're well coached, and they're going to come, uh, come into Lambeau with a game plan. But um, – I got I got to stick with my gut here, which tells me that this Packers team is about to explode, and the Eagles are are still struggling a little bit to put all the pieces together, especially that offensive line just not playing as well as it has, and the um, 
the Packers pass rush putting pressure on them. Um, I'm I'm thinking that this isn't going to be um, this isn't going to be a back and forth slugfest. It might be a little bit one sided. Um, so I'm I'm staying away from a lot of the Eagles guys um, because I just I don't think they're going to produce. Now Ertz is the exception because I he will likely get double digit targets if that's the case um and we know what he can do with that sort of with that sort of uh those sort of numbers um now we go down the list we got let's let's uh do all of the running backs at once we got aaron jones at nine thousand, um and uh jamal williams at five thousand, and then on the other side of the ball miles sanders for philadelphia at 6200 uh, Jordan Howard at 4,600 and Darren Sproles at 2,800. <clears throat> so this is interesting here. Um, as I mentioned, Jamal Williams has been getting more and more work, but it's not like Aaron Jones hasn't been getting work and hasn't been uh, producing for fantasy purposes. But one of the extremely interesting things is <clears throat> um, Aaron Jones's snap counts um, have have actually um, he started he had 38 snaps in in the first game. Um, against uh, the Bears, um, he had 43 snaps against the Vikings, and then he only had 22 snaps against the Broncos. And I think largely that was because that game was in hand um, from early on, and maybe they didn't necessarily want to overwork him. But also, Jamal Williams just looked good. Jamal Williams, in that same stretch, went from 26 snaps to 35 in Week 2 against the Vikings, and then 35 again, outpacing Aaron Jones's 22 um, against the Broncos. And I think they, they would rather lean on Jamal Williams and his, his, um, a little bit more physical, physical style of running to Aaron Jones's finesse style of running. Um, when, when they have the game in hand. And if, if the narrative that I've been pushing that the Packers are going to get out ahead here, um, it actually come, comes true. We might be seeing more Jamal Williams, who you can get at five thousand to Aaron Jones is nine thousand, um, and so that might be a place to uh, to take a look a little bit harder. Now, if you've been watching the Packers games, you've seen Jamal Williams look good. So I'm not going to be the only one on this. I'm not saying he's going to be low owned. I expect thirty five percent ownership, maybe eight or nine percent in the captain spot. Take that and do what you will with it. Um, there's a there's an alternate universe where I probably just go 100% Jamal Williams in the captain spot and have some fun with that. You can make a ton of really fun lineups with the price savings you get there. Um, that won't be my Thursday night play, though. Uh, I would encourage somebody to try it and win $300,000. The other side of the ball is where things get difficult. Miles Sanders has... As with Aaron Jones, he's seen his his uh, snap counts uh, decrease over the last few games. Um, at times, he just looks like the best player on the field, and at other times, he just looks average. He looks like a rookie, um, and he he doesn't quite have that that uh, explosive uh, game speed that that we want to see out of him. Um, and, and that's resulted in, um, uh, Darren Sproles being on the field more than you would expect and Jordan Howard. Now, Jordan Howard specifically, he has to be in play for this slate at 4,600, um, being the touchdown threat that he is the, the goal line, he, 
until until proven otherwise, he is the goal line back. And I know he had some issues last year with not necessarily always getting it in on the goal line, but um, some of that might have just been bad luck and, and small sample size. So I don't expect them to – I expect that when possible uh, – Jordan Howard will be the goal line back. So in a showdown slate where those six points um, may be actually one of the top six, may put you easily into one of the top six scores, you got to consider this guy. Also, his his snap count has gone up over the last three games while Miles Sanders has come down. Um, and I think we, we will continue to see Jordan Howard throughout this year. He's going to be a thorn in fantasy owners' sides all year long. But for showdown slates, we like that. Um, we like that people hate him. We like that people don't want to see him on the field because they're less inclined to play him. So I expect Jordan Howard ownership to be at, oh, let's call it 30%. I expect him to be played at about 3 or 4% in the captain spot, maybe 4 or 5%, 5 or 6 um, So not very much. Um, now, I, you, if you listened in the offseason, if you listen to my best ball podcast, you know I was pushing Jordan Howard. I've, I've changed. I've pulled back slightly. I don't. I, I do understand that Miles Sanders is is the lead back in this backfield until further notice. Um, so I'm not going to push you to play Jordan Howard in the captain spot here. But I'm also not going to push you to play Miles Sanders or Darren Sproles there either. Actually, Darren Sproles, we might we might talk about the captain spot there. But not Miles Sanders because I just think these guys eat into each other too much in a game where I expect the Packers wide receivers to at least put up reasonable numbers. I just don't see either Miles Sanders or Jordan Howard being worthwhile picks for our captain spot. So that brings us to Sproles, who through three games has had extremely mediocre, uh, unimpressive fantasy numbers. But as always, this is a showdown slate. And um, week one, he put up 11.3 points. That could certainly play in a showdown slate. Week two, he only put up 2.5 points. It was a very odd game in which the Eagles played from behind for so long. They lost so many of their pass catchers in the game. And yet, for some reason, Darren Sproles didn't wind up on the field. Um, uh, He caught two balls on the last drive, which was his only production for 2.5 points. Um, And then in the game against Detroit, he had a really minimal impact of uh, just he got one target and he only had two carries for four yards. So this is a great time to get on Darren Sproles. Um, It. He is a guy, he is on the field a lot more than uh, these stat lines would tell you. In fact, I'll give you the numbers. He actually got the most snaps of the three um, three Philadelphia Eagles running backs against the Lions. He just didn't get the work. Um, and maybe that was, um, maybe, I, I can't exactly say what that was. I think that um, they're using... Darren Sproles a little less as the because they have better options they have Ertz they have um, you know, Aguilar and and um, and JJ Ortega Whiteside and Mac Collins were all getting open enough to push the ball downfield now granted they dropped the ball like a combined like eight times or something be, between them uh, in that game against the Lions but the game plan was working they were 
getting they were moving the ball um, without using Sproles. Um, so maybe it had more to do with that. And that's, again, where I'm looking at this Packers defense and I'm wondering if there's an alternate game plan here that, that in, involves a little bit more Darren Sproles than the past two games would suggest. So I like looking at him at 2,800. Um, I even like him in the captain spot if you're trying to get tricky. Now, this is one of those situations where I don't expect Darren Sproles to be the top scorer on this slate. However... I didn't have this in, but we'll do a little live lineup building with Sproles in the captain spot just to see what it looks like because I think it gives you that um, that flexib- or that uh, ability to have those fun lineups where you're just playing all studs and Sproles in the captain spot. And that's where if he puts up a number like, let's say, 15 points um, and everybody else puts up 20 to, or 18 to 25 you might win just because the you couldn't have got those other five players who all put up 18 to 25 points in your lineup unless you had a Sproles in the captain spot. So um, those are those little considerations that we have to look at. And, and usually we don't want a player in the captain spot who we don't think can be the highest scoring player unless the price savings is so significant that uh, you make it up you make it up uh, with all those other high price guys. Um, so that rounds out the running back crew here. Um, I don't think I've provided anything extremely conclusive. I'm going to be playing a little bit of all these guys, uh, and I'm leaning more towards a um, Miles Sanders, Darren Sproles situation because I think I just don't know that Jordan Howard is the guy until is going to outperform Miles Sanders until. Uh, we see something really, I, I just, I, I don't see that happening. I think he is a, he has a specific role in this offense. It's a good role for the Eagles. He's a good back for the Eagles. He is not a good fantasy football back unless somebody gets injured or something like that. So um, I'll have Howard for sure for the touchdown upside, but um, I, I think I'm going to have all these guys. Um, I, I think that the number one back of the five that I'm going to be playing is Jamal Williams. Um, I think he has that 20 plus point upside that we're looking for. Um, he has been catching balls. He's got um, two, four and two targets in his last three games um, on top of uh, a carry share that has been increasing um, each game. So um, I think Jamal Williams is the guy and, and I don't think um, – that the Packers are going to have much of a problem with riding him as the hot riding him if the the hot hand if the hot hand gets hot, um, so and he can sweep keep swimming like a merman or whatever it was he said, um, maybe it'll rain. <laughs> um, so let's see who have we missed now. We gotta we gotta get some wide receivers in here um, for the Eagles. Alshon is coming back and um there's not he doesn't have a questionable tag on DraftKings. um there's no question he's definitely going to be playing and um i don't expect his ownership to take much of a dip because of the injury so um just expect alshon at what you would normally expect him at which i think is going to be about 30 to 38 percent ownership maybe about um, eight to ten percent in the captain spot, and I think those are reasonable numbers. I think it's reasonable to play Alshon Jeffrey in the captain spot. Um, the the player who I think is going to be overowned is Nelson Aguilar. Um, 
I'm probably going to fade him as I as I talked about before. Um, I don't expect him to go into this 11 and 12 target range that he's been at. Um, so, so I'm just on a straight Aguilar fade. Yes, he's still a relevant part of the offense. Yes, he could produce. But when there's over ownership, that goes out the window. You don't because if he's over owned, if he's owned twice as much as he should be, let's say he's owned at 40% um, and at 7,800 versus Alshon's 8,200, he should not be because of that price differential, which is basically nothing. He should not be owned more than Jeffrey. However, I think he's going to be because of his recent performance. Um, So this is an opportunity to just do a full fade. You don't have to think about it. You don't have to, um, you you don't have to overanalyze it. You just know that the field is too heavy on him, way too heavy on him, and I I can go zero or close to zero on that, and and it's a plus EV play. Um, so a couple more. Um, well, let's go through the rest of the Philadelphia Eagles path, uh, wide receivers, and then we'll get to the interesting part, which is um, s- uh, some backup tight ends. Um, so the uh, Eagles, the the players that have emerged or, or who have taken, who have stepped up in the absence of Jeffrey and Deshaun Jackson are Mac Hollins and J.J. Ortega-Whiteside. Now, Mac Hollins has played, actually, I think really well. Um, he, he's primarily uh, taken taken on this slot uh, wide receiver role, um, pushing Aguilar to the outside. Um, and he caught a ton of balls in the last couple games. Let's see. He played 69 and 75 snaps in the last two games, and um, he produced uh, 10 and 10.2 fantasy points. He had seven and eight targets in his last two games, four and five receptions, not a ton of yards. Um, but this is the place where, you know, as, as good as he looked in those games, and he was a chain mover for the Eagles, um, I, I thought he was... Uh, helpful to the offense as a whole. I, I don't expect him. I think this unfortunately probably all goes away with Alshon back. Um, I think M- Mac Hollins becomes an afterthought in this offense. Don't be fooled by the fact that he's put up double digit fantasy points in the last two games. Um, unless there's another injury during the game, I really don't see him getting on the field at nearly the same rate. So you just can't expect more than a, more than a couple targets. Um, J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, on the other hand, I think he might stay in the Deshaun Jackson role to a, a or, or split time in that role um, with Aguilar, um, and that's a valuable role. Um, he he's um, they say he's a contested catch guy. He's a big wide receiver. Um, this is the sort of player that only needs a couple targets per game um to be really relevant um so i'm looking i mean normally i would be going a different way here because i think he's the hot name um but he's produced nothing over the last two games he's had three targets and four targets he's put up two and 1.4 fantasy points so i just don't and, and he had that big drop um that people remember so i just don't see the ownership being super high here and I think um, I think he has upside that we uh, we haven't uh, really seen yet. So I could see uh, Arthega Whiteside having a a double digit fantasy score and really even like in that twenty plus range if he can just catch a bomb um, 
from from Wentz, and and Wentz has been playing well enough that that that's a very real possibility. Um, okay, so then you got Dallas Goddard at a thousand. Uh, you can play a little Dallas Goddard. There's nothing wrong with it. I know he had the big drop last game, and he's he's coming off an injury. Um, he didn't play at all in week two, um, and he only played nine stat snaps in week three against the Lions. One of those snaps was where he dropped the potential game winner. Um, so play him. Um, the Eagles aren't going away from two tight end sets. It's it's their bread and butter. Um, and if Ertz is going to get blanketed, as he probably will, then Goddard, as long as he's healthy, is is very much in play for touchdowns and for and just for catches and yards. Um, so so Dallas Goddard at his thousand is a perfectly reasonable play. Um, we can kind of speed through the uh, rest of the Green Bay wide receivers. You have MVS. I mean, he, he's obviously got all the upside in the world at 7,600. You can put him in the captain spot. There's nothing wrong with that um, because it, this Eagle secondary is is extremely vulnerable, as we've talked about, and it could just as easily be MVS as it could Devontae Adams. I just think that Devontae Adams is going to be at a depressed ownership, so I'm, I'd am i rather go where the ownership is lower than normal um, rather than the, the MVS ownership that – uh, is probably going to be a little bit higher owned than than he would um, if he hadn't just had a, a big performance. Um, so um, he's but he's very playable in the captain spot. Um, I would guess his ownership is going to be about fifty percent. I'd guess about sixteen percent in the captain spot. And then you have Geronimo Allison. Um, he's had a terrible first three games um, from a fantasy perspective. Uh, let's see. He, he had one game where he hit double digit points, 11.5 points against Minnesota. But other than that, he, um, has not produced at all. So I think, uh, Geronimo Allison is a place to get some low ownership against a bad secondary. Um, and he's, he's got Aaron Rodgers, Green Bay Packers upside. So, um, I, I think he has just as much upside as MBS, maybe slightly lower. MBS is is the clear number two, but um, you you never know. And Geronimo Allison also has that twenty point plus upside that we like. Um, so so definitely uh, mix him in there. Um, now, what I really wanted to get to on this slate because you know I always love these guys at the two hundred and six hundred dollar price points. Um, and these are the places where you can you can win three hundred thousand dollars. You can win a showdown slate. Um, and the the guys I'm looking at. Um, so Jimmy Graham's at forty four hundred, and Jimmy Graham is uh, clearly a shell of himself. They are trying to create good situations for him, and and he he did come through against Chicago. He had three catches on five targets for thirty yards and a touchdown. Worth 12 fantasy points. But the next two games, he he got one target each game. He's completely irrelevant. He's he's suffering through injuries. Who knows if he's fully healthy right now? He does have an injury designation right now, but it it's just it just doesn't look like Jimmy Graham is uh, gonna have that explosive ability. That being said, this Packers offense is using it is using tight ends um, to a small degree. And the two tight ends are using are Mercedes Lewis, who you can get at 600, or um, they're using Robert Toynian, um, 
at who you can get at two hundred. Um, Toynian has had. Uh, four targets through three games, but three in the last game. He also had, there's a couple targets that have been taken away um, due to penalty for Toynian, including uh, one in the end zone, I believe. So he has been a, um, and he's big, he's young, he's a, he's a physical presence on the field. Um, and I think Aaron Rodgers has been looking his way. Three targets in the last game against Denver is nothing to to uh, just dismiss when we're when we're looking at a showdown slate where remember sometimes that sixth player in your lineup gets two catches for 20 yards and a touchdown and those 10 points are more than enough to to uh, be relevant um, or, or to put you over the top um, and, and Mercedes Lewis is the same way Mercedes Lewis has gotten a few more looks he's got six targets through three games um, again, uh, three in the first game against Chicago, um, one against Minnesota and two against Denver. Um, n- not significant fantasy production here, just 3.4 points and 2.9 points. But um, we're looking for the targets. We're looking for the time on the field. Let's look at the snap counts here. Um, Mercedes Lewis has been on the field 34, 31 and 31 snaps. Robert Toynian, uh 20, 22 and 17 snaps. Um, this is just enough. It's just enough to, to want to play it. And what you have to do in, in a field where you need to beat, um, however many people, is it a couple hundred thousand, 290,000? Let me look it up. Um, you need to beat 176,000 people is you need to find these guys who might produce. Now, yes, they're going to brick out a lot of weeks, but when Mercedes Lewis catches catches a touchdown or better yet two, and you are the only one who, who left 4,000 in salary on the table to play Mercedes Lewis as your sixth player stacked up with Aaron Rodgers, um, you have a chance to win $300,000. So that's takes us through most of the Thursday slate here. I'm not really looking at anybody else. There's a couple other guys. Jake Kumaro has been out for a couple games. He's injured. He might come back. He logged four limited practices. If that's a route you want to go, um, you know, gamble away. I'm, I'm all for gambling on a guy like Jake Kumaro. There's, there's no difference gambling on him. If he's in the, if he's in the lineup, um, then Mercedes Lewis, I just, I, I don't think I'm going to do it. I don't know. Maybe maybe I need to reassess that. Maybe that questionable tag is um, is worth money, um, and I should reassess that. Um, there's also uh, Green Bay also just picked up um, Darius Shepard, who hasn't been on the field really yet. I think he had two snaps in the last game, but um, they they traded their kick returner and picked up Darius Shepard. Um, and then there's Alan Lazard, who hasn't played at all, but there's some talk that he might get on the field at some point. I'm not really going any of those routes right now. Take a look if you know if you know more than I do about any of those plays, then then uh, and take a look at those. Um, but let's let's finish off as we do with some live lineup building. And the question, of course, when we get to live lineup building, is what are we doing to be unique? Um, couple things I'm thinking. We already talked about Devontae Adams in the captain spot. One way to be unique is to play 100% Devontae when the field's playing 20% Devontae in the captain spot. Now, it's, it doesn't get you unique, but it gets you more opportunities to be unique down the rest of your lineup. So if you're playing 100 lineups 
and everyone has Adams in the captain spot, then you you have that's the equivalent of somebody else, uh, the rest of the field playing 500 uh, lineups, essentially. Um, another way uh, that I'm going to look at being unique is I'm going to fade Carson Wentz. Um, if if 50% of the field or 45% of the field is going to play Carson Wentz here, I'm just going to, I'm going to give, give everybody else uh, that play and I'm, I'm going to take him out of my lineups entirely. Um, but those aren't, those aren't ways to get unique. That's just ways to get ahead. If I'm right with my narrative, um, we talked about playing the tight ends. I'm definitely going to play the tight ends. Um, and I think another way to get unique as always is to stack running backs from the same team. So whether that's Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams, or doing some Eagles running back stacks where you can fill, you can cycle through those, all three of those backs. I I mean, it's tough to build narratives where all three of them are relevant, uh, I mean, it's not tough to build the narrative. It's just tough to see that actually playing out. Um, so I don't think I'm going to go three at a time, but I will go two at a time regularly um, because, as I said, I think that that might be the way to beat the Packers on their home field. Um, and then another play, and this is counter to everything I've said throughout this entire episode, but um, you could play the Eagles D. I mean, I see a different narrative. I see the narrative where the Packers win and they win handily. However, the Eagles defense, the, the Eagles are well coached. They're a good defensive team and their front seven is a proud, strong, vicious front seven. And they may just take it upon themselves to disrupt Aaron Rodgers' day and and keep all those questions about this Packers offense going. Um and um one of the things that I noticed through the first three games with Rodgers is the, he his his pockets held up just enough for him to to step up into the pressure um, and evade the pressure and just get away. There were so many times where the pocket was collapsing. He steps up, just avoids a hand on his jersey that that would have started to bring him down. Um, and I wonder if this Eagles front seven, this Eagles D line actually can get to Rodgers um, in a way that that the first three opponents here haven't been able to. So if you want it, I think that's a really good contrarian narrative to follow. If you want to play Eagles D um, in, in some lineups, um, because I don't think that's going to be a popular narrative at all. People are going to expect Rodgers to light this team up, but um, they could get to him. And, and Rodgers has a shorter and shorter fuse as the years go by. Um, and he's still got a, a, a relatively young, uh, inexperienced wide receiver core around him. Um, there, there are some, some universes where, uh, this game goes south for the Packers and goes south in a hurry. And you see like five sacks, two picks, um, and, and the Eagles establishing a dominant running game and just running away with this thing. So I think that's a great way to be, to be very contrarian. Um, so let's, let's do a little drafting. We'll, we'll go quick here. I know the episode's been running long, as always, um, but let's get into it. And the first uh, first build around we're going to do um, is a – we'll build around this um, Eagles running back stack. So I when I was, was going preparing for this slate, the first thing that came to me was I really think that um, the – uh, the Eagles are going to rely on the core and the core is Ertz and Sproles and a, a strong, 
a strong running game, but really it's centered around Ertz. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go with um, Ertz in the captain spot, um, and we're gonna get Sproles in there because, as I said, I think th- I think that they may try to get him in play a little bit more to counteract uh, the pass rush, and they may be playing from behind. Um, so, so now we can throw, let's throw Miles Sanders in there. We have a, we have a running back stack now from the, from the Eagles that, that should make us relatively unique. If we think Sproles is going to be owned at like, uh, 12%, maybe, maybe 20%, eight, 18%, Miles Sanders is going to be owned at 50%. Um, there's just not a lot of lineups that are going to have both of these guys in it. Um, so Ertz in the captain spot, and this gives us a lot of flexibility. You know we like Devontae Adams. You know we like Aaron Rodgers here potentially. And then where does that put us? Um, you got five thousand left, and you can you can go Jamal Williams. You can go with the Packers. Um, you can go with Jordan Howard. I wouldn't necessarily do that. All three Eagles running backs, but you got more Green Bay pass catchers going down the list here. Jimmy Graham, Geronimo Allison can go in there. Um, so those give you two pass catchers for Rogers and Devonte Adams, which I think is enough to, this is a, this is a really reasonable narrative to go with here. Um, that Rogers utilizes two pass catchers, whether that be Jamal Williams, um, who's been catching a few passes, uh, Jimmy Graham, Geronimo Allison. Um, you can go down a little farther. You can get, like I mentioned, you can go Mercedes Lewis, or you can get, um, Robert Tonyan. um, and this has some potential. It's it's certainly super unique, especially as you get down into this Mercedes Lewis Robert Tonyan uh, area. Um, you leave about five thousand on the table with those last two guys. Um, you have your your nice Eagles two Eagles uh, running backs stacked, and um, you have the upside of Rogers, Adams, and Ertz, um, and Ertz being the top performer, which is certainly reasonable. This this lineup that we just built right here looks a little bit like what Vegas is predicting for this game, which is just slightly lower scoring than you'd expect. A Thursday night game um, led by the top players, the top players on each team. Um, so we like that because it's it's relatively unique. Let's let's go through. A, let's do a let's clear this and do something a little bit different. Um, I mentioned that we want to try out the Sproles in the captain spot and see what this looks like. So um, putting Sproles up there, you get him at 2,800 in the flex, which means 4,200 in the captain spot, leaving you tons of wiggle room. Let's just run down the top four players and see where that puts us. So Adams going in, Rogers going in, Wentz and Ertz going in. So there we have uh, Sproles, who's going to catch some passes for, from Wentz. Wentz is also passing to Zach Ertz. Um, you have Aaron Rodgers passing to Devontae Adams. Now, I don't like these. I don't like putting both the quarterbacks in, but it's a good. this is a good way to f- just figure out where we're at. Um, you can have situations where both quarterbacks perform at this, this rate and they outperform most of the receivers. Um, and these are the two guys to do it because they, they spread the ball out enough that um, you can see both of them putting up slightly better numbers than any given wide receiver um you also have the upside of Devontae Adams and Zach Ertz both in this lineup and with 4,800 left again we can run down through all these all these players 4,800 and under 
You got the Packers D. You got Jordan Howard, Jimmy Graham, Jeromo Allison. You got the Kickers, Eagles D, Mac Hollins. I certainly, this is a place where I would put Mac Hollins in um, because, yeah, I think he's going to, I, he's not going to get 60 snaps, but he might get 24 and that might be four or five catches from, from Wentz that we need. Um, you got JJ Arthega Whiteside that you can put in here at 1800. That leaves 3000 on the table. That's going to be a little bit unique. Um, and then you got Goddard, Mercedes Lewis, and Toynian. Um, so, so with this stack here, putting Sproles in um, the captain spot, I think there's at least six or eight reasonable reasonable lineups you can build out of this. And and um, now remember, we put Sproles in the captain spot knowing that he is extremely unlikely to be the top scorer in this game. So we really only want to do this if it gives us the other five top scorers um, that we would not otherwise be able to access except for that savings we get at captain. So yeah, do we have those, do we have four of those other scores? Yes, we think we do. Adams, Rogers, Carson Wentz, and Zach Ertz. When you start to get down to a guy like Toynian or Mercedes Lewis, um, you, you do have to scratch your head a little bit and say, okay, I'm putting in Mercedes Lewis at 600, leaving 4,200 on the table when I could have Jordan Howard or Jimmy Graham or Geronimo Allison. Now, do we know for sure that Mercedes Lewis um, or, or that, I mean, Mercedes Lewis could outscore those three, but is he likely to outscore all seven or eight players um, who, who, or, or not even players, you also have the defenses and the kickers, um, all of those seven or eight plays that are above him, it's unlikely. Um, so this is a situation where we don't necessarily want to play these guys at the very bottom. Robert Robert Tonyan um, is not going to beat out Mercedes Lewis, Dallas Goddard, J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, Matt Collins, the Eagles, Jake Elliott, Crosby, Geronimo Allison, Jimmy Graham, and Jordan Howard, and the Packers D. He's just not going to do it. So that might be a little bit too low. So my cutoff here would probably be J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, maybe Dallas Goddard, because um, I can see Dallas Goddard putting up 20 points. I mean, he's got two touchdown potential um, where a guy like Tony and I just I don't know that he necessarily does. But I, I sometimes, I mean, this is football. Um Toynian does have two touchdown upside. <laughs> it might be two catches for seven yards and two touchdowns, but it, it it can happen. So if you are willing to gamble, whether it's your one dollar or your your uh, ten dollar or whatever entry on that happening, feel free. Um, you won't feel bad if you wind up with three hundred thousand dollars in your pocket because. Because uh, Mercedes Lewis caught two, happened to catch two touchdowns in the best game of his career. Um, so lots of options there with Sproles in the captain spot. And, and what I would likely do in this situation is strip away Wentz um, and put um, somebody like let's throw let's take out Wentz. We'll throw in um, uh, Aaron Jones. And this isn't this is a lineup I like a lot more because. Now we have a running back from Philly, a pass catcher from Philly, but no Philly quarterback. I have Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers stacked up. Aaron Jones will catch a few passes from Aaron Rodgers. And then we have then we can run down all of these other uh, 
Packers pass catchers that we talked about, as well as some other running backs. Um, and and this is this is something that that I like a little bit better than playing two quarterbacks in the same lineup. So there's some more options for you there. Um, let's do one more. Um, let's do the Jamal Williams salting away the game narrative that none of the Aaron Jones wanters owners want to hear about. Um, but Jamal Williams in the captain spot, just doing work, closing this game out for Green Bay after Rodgers and Devontae Adams get him on the board. Um, so we got Jamal Williams, Devontae Adams, Aaron Rodgers. Let's give um, and let's let's get uh, some of the that leaves us twenty thousand seven hundred, about seven thousand per player. So this is where you get in this dangerous spot where it's very easy to just say like. Okay, give me all these middle of the road guys. Give me Alshon Jeffrey. Give me MVS. So this all makes sense, right? We have Rodgers has two two good pass catchers. He's got the running back who's going to put away the game after those pass catchers score the touchdown. We got Alshon Jeffrey playing from behind on the other side of the ball, putting up points. And then we have 4,900 left. And you can use any of these players. You can use the Packers. Jordan Howard, Jimmy Graham, Geronimo Allison, go down the list. Um, however, what we've done here is we've taken a less unique line. So while I'm not going to not play um, the guys who fit in here at the price point, this is where I really, really do want to play uh, these these low-owned tight ends like Mercedes Lewis. Um I want to play Dallas Goddard. I want to play J.J. Arthago-Whiteside because you have to leave some salary on the table because your casual player is just not going to be willing to do it, and they're going to go to Jimmy Graham or Geronimo Allison or Jordan Howard above Dallas Goddard or Mercedes Lewis. And that's what you have to do. You can't share when – you, when you build this lineup – um, if you, if you just put the player who slots in at the price point, you share with 50 people versus you, you play, play the guys farther down the list and you're going to share with a couple people, or maybe you'll be unique and you can win 300,000, uh, outright. So that winds up our Thursday night showdown slate, um, episode. Good luck as usual. Remember, build your own narratives. These are just mine. These are what I've seen throughout these first few weeks, but this can go any direction. The Thursday night game especially defies all expectations over and over again. So figure out what you like. Build around it. Remember to be unique. And let me know if you hit a big score.